This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Joe Goddard, Charlie Smith back with me tonight. We're going to be discussing some of the topics that were given in the Heim Bloom press conference. Every GM, president, whatever you want to call them, uh, typically will do a press conference at the start of spring training. Bloom gave his today. Didn't give us a ton, but still some takeaways from it. Big trade today between the Oakland Athletics and the Atlanta Braves. Matt Olson will go to Atlanta for a massive Hall of Prospects. We'll be getting into that. What does it mean for Freddie Freeman? And then maybe some Fernando Tatis talk. Apparently he's a bad motorcycle driver. So we'll be getting into some of that as well. And maybe if you listen to last night's show, we'll get some breaking news. So we'll uh, we'll get into it all, but uh, how are you, Job? Uh, it could be a lot worse, Terry. You know, every time I check my phone, it's uh, this guy signed, that guy signed, and none of it's with the Red Sox. So, um, patiently awaiting the next uh, High and Bloom signing for one point two million on some guy I've never heard of. Um, but other than that, I'm I'm good. Another player from the dollar store. That's uh, that's the theme so far for his tenure. That's the Bloom method. <laughs> Apparently. The small market Boston Red Sox. But Charlie, ready to go after last night? You're pretty fresh. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I slept all day today. I was not feeling good. And after sleeping about 14 hours, we're going to see how we do today. A lot of, a lot of big little news things happening, but nothing in Boston. Uh, big news really happened for some other teams today. All right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, what was your big takeaway from the Heim Bloom press conference? Uh, an incredibly diplomatic response from him regarding Jackie Bradley Jr. about, you know, talking about his familiarity with the team and uh, his level of comfortability with, with JBJ. But uh, he was asked a lot of questions and responded incredibly diplomatically about, you know, like, oh, you're still looking at you know, adding another starting pitcher and the response is, well, you can never have enough starting pitchers. Are you done looking at outfielders? Oh, well, you know, we're still looking at the market and whatnot, but unless the price is right by price, I mean, low, it's not going to happen. Uh, and then of course there's a discussion with the uh, vaccination status about uh, how they were going to manage that and whatnot. And if you're a, if you're a GM or, or president of, of baseball operations for a major league baseball club, it's something that you have to navigate incredibly carefully because of uh who you're talking about and depending on the stadium depending on the sport fans don't have to be vaccinated when they come in but players do or they're not welcome into the stadium or they're only welcome in certain states or countries so it's it's going to be interesting I'm, I'm curious to see how 
how Bloom navigates that one uh, when we're closer to the regular season. Is he going to uh, ask that players do get vaccinated and whatnot? Because we're, you know, there are some places right now where it just ballooned up again. Uh, certain countries are kind of SOL uh, when it comes to Omicron right now. So I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, that ends up being something that gets dealt with quickly. But I mean, everything that he's saying is very diplomatic. He's not saying, you know, like with Jackie Bradley, for example, he didn't mention anything about the prospects that came with Jackie Bradley. It was only, you know, Jackie, Bra- uh, Jackie Bradley's a familiar face. We're familiar with his work. We're, you know, looking forward to, you know, getting him back, yada, yada. Joe, what was your takeaway? Well, my takeaway was that he wanted the focus, like you mentioned, to be on Jackie Bradley Jr. and on the Major League roster and not on the prospects that he brought back. We know, as people who follow baseball, as people who've seen a lot of Jackie Bradley Jr., that a one-for-one Renfro for Jackie Bradley Jr. is not a fair trade. Like, if that's the case, then we got robbed. And if my concern is that Heim Bloom already has seen enough of these prospects to where he's devaluing them because he doesn't think they're going to be impact players down the line. And if that's the case, then we already lost that trade, and it's because he likes prospects too much and doesn't want to pay people the right amount of money. If, on the other hand, he's doing that because he wants to sell us the uh, the image that the Red Sox in 2022 and probably in 2023 care about winning baseball games at the major league level, and that Jackie Bradley Jr. actually helps them do that. I mean, I'm not buying it, but I hope that's what he's trying to sell instead of telling us without telling us that the prospects are actually not good. This was tweeted out by Alex Spear, so if anybody wants to go look at it, they can. Um, But it it was an excerpt from Bloom's press conference, and um, the tweet goes, Bloom says the movement of the luxury tax threshold opens more options for us than have been in play in recent years. The more flexibility you have, the more options you can consider. Flexibility is important because it gives you access to the whole menu. Now, you can interpret this however you want going forward, but in the past two winters, we've seen him tell the media, basically... We've seen him lie to the media. That's what I'm getting at. He has repeatedly said... The luxury tax, it's not a hard boundary. If if there's a move that makes sense, they'll definitely go over it. Or And then additionally, they would possibly pursue players who had qualifying offers attached to them. Now, those players are always going to get big mega contracts, typically. You know, those are the Carlos Correa's, and although he might get a one-year deal as we're finding out, but... Uh, the Corey Seegers, all, all the guys this year, Marcus Simeon, they all had qualifying offers attached to him. So for him to say that at the press conference today, that they've got more flexibility than recent years and that they're, they can order from the full menu, he basically just confessed that the previous two years, they've only been ordering from the appetizer section. And, and so... I'm just I'm really tired of the politics that go along with his press conferences. They asked him today, they said basically any plans to extend Rafi Devers and he puts his dancing shoes on right away, goes on a spiel about 
their philosophical views on roster building and then in the end goes, but he is a guy we'd love to have here for a long time. So, I mean, come on. If you're going to give us... Can I translate that? <laughs> well, go ahead. Because Okay, we want Rafi Devers here at our price. That's what that means. That means they're not going to give up the bag for Rafi Devers. They're not going to pay him a fair market rate for his talent. And he's going to go play for someone else. That's what that means. And they're going to try to sell us this time next year on the fact that they have to move on from Rafi Devers the same way they had to move on from Mookie Betts to avoid a ballooning luxury tax payment. To be able to pay guys and stay competitive for the long term. And that's a load of crap. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because he can't just let him serve out the remainder of the two years he has left. The Red Sox only have Devers under control for this season and next season. Then he becomes a free agent. So they're not just going to let him walk. So they're going to have to trade him. Oh, no, they're going to trade him. At a, at a trade deadline or this winter. So we get this year's trade deadline, this winter, and then the next year's trade deadline. And what I suspect the narrative is going to be is, oh, we tried. We made a bunch of offers but just couldn't come to an agreement, and and we didn't sign him. And this is what I ultimately suspect. I think Heim Bloom is obsessed with getting rid of every single Dave Dombrowski-era player that he possibly can because he wants his own team. So one thing, Terry, because we did talk about this yesterday, is if Devers leaves, he's going to get a major haul for it this year over next year because next year he's in his last year of arbitration before free agency in 2024. Past 2023, in two years of baseball, currently as it stands, there are only two players on contract, Chris Sale and Xander Bogarts. And I believe that half of those players will not be wearing a Red Sox uniform by the end of next year anyways, as it stands. In 2024, there are two players in contract. In 2025, there's only one. He, I mean, there's absolute relevance to that statement, Terry. I mean, we're we're just not playing. It's like trying to play poker without a full deck of cards, and that's what's happening right now. Is some of the moves that we're making right now, it, it, they're not diplomatic moves. They're not smart plays, and not signing a guy who's the face of the team just basically says you're not really thinking about everybody. You're just thinking about you, and that's it. Like there's just, it's it's tough. It's brutal well, because if Devers leaves to wear another uniform, if he wears pinstripes or something else, I'm going to be pretty upset. I think we should all be upset, but I don't think that this is Heim Bloom's way of doing business. I think Heim Bloom was brought here because he can do business this way, and this is actually coming from way up top. John Henry and Co. just spent a lot of money on the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're looking to expand into basketball. They want to be owners of an eventual franchise in Las Vegas. They own a soccer team. They own a NASCAR team. They're no longer in it to win championships for the Boston Red Sox. They're in it to make a profit for the Boston Red Sox. And if championships come, that's great. Um, It's unfortunate, but I think that this ownership group is no longer as hungry as they once were. How could they be after they've won so much? That I just don't know that 
Heim Blue is going to be given the short leash that he deserves. And if he lets Rafi Devers walk, ownership's going to be okay with that. It's just painful because unlike Mookie Betts and perhaps even Xander Bogarts, Devers is a performer in big games. He's got elite postseason numbers and he's going to Cooperstown on the first ballot in which he's eligible. He he's going to do it. And Wearing a Dodgers uniform. <laughs> Dodgers, Yankees. I don't know, but it's probably not going to be with the Boston Red Sox because Bloom is obsessed with his own team, his own legacy, and none of the Dombrowski era guys are a priority. And if we go into the toilet this year, I'm not going to sit here right now and say we're a below 500 team. Would I be shocked if we end up being one? I would not be because you, you need a lot of stars to align again for the second year in a row for us to be good and to get into the playoffs. And if those stars do not align and we go into July 31st and we're at 500 or below that, that might be the time he seeks to move Devers. It could happen as early as this summer. Well, now here's a question that I have for the two of you. If he moves Devers this summer and he gets back a haul similar to what the Braves got back from Matt Olson, or the A's got back from Matt Olson in that trade with the Braves, I should say, uh, that we're going to talk about in a minute, how upset would you be? Because those guys would more likely line up with the timeline of a Marcelo Mayer, of a Nick York, of a Blaze Jordan. Some of these guys that are in the farm now who are projected to be studs in two or three years with the big league roster. So I'll, I'll say this much. Um, it It's going to be different because depending on when he gets traded, the Hall's either going to be close to it or half that. Because if you're trading a player the year before free agency anyways, there's no team control. So Matt Olson in 2022 is only an ARP two. Next year, he's under team owner. He, he's owned by the team next year. He's not a free agent until 2024. And he had... His best but if season you were to trade ever. Him, if you were to trade Rafael Devers at this deadline, that's still maximum control. You have one year and a half of Rafi Devers. Right now. Including right. a postseason stretch, in which you're about to go all in. Mm-hmm. That's a maximum haul. In fact, you probably get more at the deadline than you would get right now, even though it's a little bit less Rafi Devers. I, I agree uh, that the-, the deadline would net the bigger haul. But are any of those guys you acquire going to give you what Devers gives you? I don't, I don't believe so. Are, are we talking about right now? Because the answer, is, of course, is no. Like the hall that oh, – and talking I'm going to talk about this. No, well, yeah, you, you I'm talking about the, the – We're talking yeah. about the players in which they will evolve into. So I'm happy, I'm happy to talk about that. And I, when we're ready to talk about the Olsen move, I got – plenty of information on that one so when we're ready to talk about that it's it's two to three years you're hoping that two out of the four hit because the odds of all four blowing up are slim to none not extending devers to me is stupid it's just i can't even wrap my head around why you would not do it i'm with you he's the most clutch player we've had since big poppy 
and he reminds me so much of him. You know, he hits on the left side of the plate. He comes up huge in big games. I just, I, I don't know how you don't make him a member of the Boston Red Sox for the, for the rest of his career. It's just, it's unfathomable. But you mentioned the COVID situation. We don't know right now which players are and are not vaccinated. As of late last season, perhaps even going into the playoffs, Xander Bogarts was one of the ones that were unvaccinated. So I don't know if his status has changed. We don't know what J.D. Martinez's status is. There's a middle infielder that may or may not have it uh, as well. Christian Arroyo. That's, you said it. Um, Chris Sale was on record last year not being vaccinated. That's a massive problem. That's a massive problem. And Bloom can't do anything about Xander. He can't do anything about Sale because they both have no trade clauses, basically. Xander has 10-5 rights, which is essentially the same thing. But but I'm just wondering, he was pretty stone-faced today and basically said, you know, it's always a concern if, if a situation is going to take our players off the field. So I'm wondering how they resolve this. Well, I don't think you can really resolve this, Terry, in a short-term capacity. I think the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees are both going to be very shorthanded this year when it comes to playing head-to-head with the Toronto Blue Jays in Canada, at least until the mandate requiring all visitors internationally be vaccinated is lifted. And I don't know if that's coming anytime soon. Canada might make that a permanent law in their legislature. If that happens, Toronto's going to win the division. You're probably going to be, and I don't know how many games you have against Toronto uh, in the first half of the schedule. You're probably going to be at 500 in the division when it comes to late July and you're looking at the trade deadline because you're going to win all your games against Baltimore as expected. You're probably going to split with the Yankees, and I think you're going to lose most of your games to Toronto. If that's the case and the Red Sox don't look like they are going to be in it for the division, which I don't think they will, and they think they can sneak into the playoffs, they're going to be one of those teams, I think, that sees that extra playoff spot and thinks, hey, we can cut salary and still make it. If that happens, I think you're going to see a lot of guys move. Um, I don't think you can move Chris Sale on his contract. I don't think you'll move Xander Bogarts at the deadline, but I do think that there's a possibility that somebody offers Xander Bogarts a big contract between now and the beginning of the season and Heim Bloom trades him. I think there's a chance Xander Bogarts doesn't play for the Red Sox this season. Not high, but there's a chance. Well, he has to approve the trade Xander does. Of course, but if somebody's going to offer him the monster contract that he wants, it's basically free agency. Yeah, there there would have to be. I think he would. It would have to be substantial. It would have to probably be six or seven years and somewhere at the 24 to $27 million a year range, I think, to make it happen. Uh, uh, but there are teams that are loading up right now, and we, we're going to talk about a couple of them in a second, that I think might be interested. If the Texas Rangers come calling and say, hey, you know, we want to put 
Xander Bogarts next to Marcus Semyon on our infield, what's it going to take? I think the Red Sox might be interested in that deal. Well, Corey Seager's on the other part of that infield. So, um, But like you were alluding to, there would have to be an extension in place before the trade happened. I don't know what the legalities are of that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure there's a way to do it. But the the reason I bring up this COVID There's always thing, a way to do it with Scott Boris. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a way to there there's a loophole in there for them to negotiate, but but the the reason this vaccine thing is so important is because we play Toronto twice in the month of April and at least one of those series is in Toronto. So we're going to find out real fast how this all goes down. I mean, if Chris Sale, JD Martinez, Xander Bogarts are not on that charter plane <laughs> and we're facing the one of the most stacked teams in the league if not the most stacked team jeez charlie yeah that's going to be a couple of l's right there uh, you know just yeah. throwing the letter up already uh there's no question because if you're missing your bats and your star pitcher um yeah great you get to rest and stay healthy for when you get to play games at home but i mean that's going to hurt us that's a divisional opponent and a divisional opponent these games matter it's not a question of it's not going to be a question of if it's it's just when and uh, believe me, it's not going to be a couple games. We need to we need to figure out what we're going to do. And if we're losing three major players, that's going to suck. Go ahead, Joe. Well, not only does it is it three major players, Charlie, but it's your ace starting pitcher with a shortened spring training coming Agreed. off an injury. And I, I'm sure the first time around they'll say, well, you know, he's coming off an injury. We're stretching him out. You know, it's OK to miss a day here or there. But when it comes down to it, it's going to screw with your entire rotation every single time you go to Toronto. Right. You're going to have to use that off day, whatever that off day is, either before or after, to reset your entire rotation. And if that happens, and say we – I don't know what the schedule is. I'm not looking at it. I don't have it in front of me. Maybe one of you do. I've got it right here. Say you have to go to Toronto in the middle of July, right? And you have 10 games in a row without an off day, and three of those are in Toronto. That screws with your entire road trip. You're handcuffing Alex Cora. You're hurting your teammates by not being vaccinated. We've already gone through this this entire rigmarole last season. But you're also really going to cost the Red Sox games in the standings. And this is not a team like 2018 where we're just going to steamroll teams. This division is going to be a tough, tough race. I think Toronto's the favorite. I was telling you both before we went on the air. I think Toronto has the best team in the American League East. And I'm tired of hearing about how great the New York Yankees are because the chips are never going to fall their way, and they're always going to be hurt. Toronto is young. They're healthy. They have good pitching. And they have the bats to do it. I'm, I'm really worried about having to go to Toronto this year, especially if it comes down to a playoff game. So basically, I have the schedule right here. So the first series in Toronto is... April 26th, 27th, and 28th. And we play them at home before then, so we have a chance to get creamed with our full roster before we lose some of them on the road trip. But uh, So that, that happens April 25th through 27th. And then fortunately, we don't go back for almost exactly two months. Let's see, late June here. Where is it? June 27th, 28th, 29th. So we're going to know who we are as a team by that second trip in June. Like we're either going to be what's, 
we're going to be winning and competitive or we're going to be deep in the toilet. What is the schedule like before and after that Toronto series in June? In June? Uh, let's see. Yeah, we, you said we go there in, in late June. Yeah, late. Who do we well, play before and who do we play after? Well, we play Cleveland at Cleveland right before, and then we go to Wrigley. So that's quite a lengthy road trip. So that whole road trip that's is – That's a nine-game road trip. It is. So that's two times three your rotation, and one of those times is going to be not like the other. People are going to be pitching on short rest. You might have to call somebody up. You only have five options this year, not unlimited options like previous years because of the new collective bargaining agreement. You can't play back and forth with a guy like Tanner Houck. You can't send a guy like Whitlock back and forth to the pen all year because Chris Hale doesn't want to get vaccinated. If it was just your offense, I would say, okay, it's a problem, but other guys have to step up and hit for these couple of games. It's your big bats, it's your leaders, and it's your star pitcher in the rotation who you need 180 innings from if you're going to win this season. It's more of a problem than people realize. And his contract is immovable. Ideally, you would be able to pitch sale perhaps the game before you depart Toronto, and then and then it, it won't matter. Just for the heck of it, just to show people how hard the month of April is going to be real quick, we start the season against the Yankees in New York. Anything can happen there. Then we go to Detroit, who I feel like might be a wild card team this year. I think they're going to be one of the more improved teams uh, compared to the last few years. Then we've got Minnesota, who's made some improvements. Then we've got Toronto at home, away at Tampa, away at Toronto. And then, mercifully, we do end the month with, with Baltimore. But Thanks. Thank God. We're essentially playing all we'll playoff games. games. Back. <laughs> we we'll be take. out of. We'll be five games we'll, back when they come to Baltimore. Yeah, we're if we win, if we win one out of four against Toronto late April, I'm happy. Like I remember multiple times where I was saying, "Yep, maybe we'll win one out of four. and I would get razzed by people in this group. Like from from our co-hosts, they would give me crap because I said we'll win one out of four. This is all going back to a couple of years ago when I said. I have a very good chance we're going to go 23 and 37. And everyone gave me so much crap. Al, I'll never forget Al going, let me tell you how they're going to win 30. And I said, not happening. It's just not happening. It's not going to happen. And that was before, uh, you know, Erod had myocarditis and everything. My God, it was just, this is going to be brutal. It's not going to be like this all year. Thank God. But it's going to be bad. Joe, what's, what's up? Well, I'm going to be at that game in New York on opening night. I bought the tickets before I knew there was going to be an opening night in April. Uh, so I will be at that game. I will also be at all three games in Baltimore at the end of the month. And I'm fully expecting when they roll into town for them to be five games under 500 at the end of April. That is actually... This is going to be a grueling stretch. That's a 105 start, just so you know. The opener. Oh, yeah. I'll be at all three of them. Okay. I, uh, I've already notified the powers that be in the office that that's a, that's a scenario. Tickets down in Baltimore, Terry, are dirt cheap. Okay. I mean, I can go to the game, stay at a hotel, have three hot dogs, a couple of beers, a pretzel, and some crab dip, <laughs> go to the game, and then come back for cheaper than going to a game at Fenway and having no concessions, park, no parking even. Uh, th that's just the nature of it. I, that's why 
Red Sox fans travel so well to Camden Yards. The place will be rocking with Red Sox fans. I just took my closest look at the schedule yet. Other than the the Sunday night game, which is 7.08 p.m. in New York, we don't have another primetime game until Tuesday, April 19th. They're all either one or Thank four God. o'clock games. That's uh, That sucks. That's good. No, see, that, that's good, Terry. These are players coming off of spring training. They've been playing spring training games. They'll be ready to roll in spring training kind of scenarios. And then we get to avoid the two things that I know you're going to hate. One is going to be that exclusive game on Apple TV that you can only get on Apple TV. Right? That's that's one more thing. I'll get Charlie all happy in the background here. Pumped. That's I got one Apple more TV, thing man. That a lot of fans won't be watching. And then we get to avoid the primetime broadcast crew of A-Rod and whoever they partnered him with this year for another two weeks. And that's the most important piece because I can't listen to A-Rod talk about how promising the Red Sox are and how great they are. And Oh, by the way, they, they paired a couple of Yankee broadcasters together this year. I think this year they, they went A-Rod and Michael K on the same broadcast for ESPN. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. I just want to get that out there because I thought of it at the same moment. Okay. Uh, so people on who have MLB TV who subscribe to that won't be able to get the Apple games. They'll be blacked out. Oh, no. That's going to be similar to the YouTube game of last year. You're going to have to find that one separately on an exclusive platform. That you're going to have to pay another $9 a month for and have another login for and all that rigmarole. So everyone who's a cord cutter, you'll be all set. It's just another $9 you've got to pay. If you are one of those people who listens to our show, but other than that is a cable person, you're out of luck. It won't be Nesson. That's infuriating, but we'll cross that bridge when we get yeah, there. Yeah, there'll be a there'll be another fake trophy like the YouTube MVP. And there'll be more of this gimmicky, like, let's interview people on the field crap and all that stuff that we as traditional baseball fans can't stand. But that the people upstairs who think about ways to make baseball fun, they love that stuff. We'll have some slime graphics or something, and there'll be some interviews with players while they're playing defense. Jackie Bradley might wear a headset out to right field. Who knows? All right. Well, we'll... uh shift gears here so the biggest news of the day the Atlanta Braves like I said in the open traded for Matt Olson gave up a massive haul of prospects Charlie will get into them but just briefly they're number one number two number sixth and number 14th ranked prospects are in the deal so number one and two for the Red Sox would be Chris uh, Tristan Casas and Marcelo Meyer. So they gave up a massive haul. The big takeaway from this is that the Freddie Freeman era in Atlanta is over because he's a first baseman. So is Matt Olson. There's just no fit for Freddie Freeman at this point. So, and a nugget was dropped shortly after. I think it was uh, Heyman basically said, the Braves made that move without even notifying Freddie Freeman's camp that that, in fact, was what they were doing. So 
the the agents for Freddie Freeman didn't have a chance to come in and make one last offer to try to stay in Atlanta. So a lot to be taken from uh, from that. But Charlie, go ahead. Uh, what what was the package? Yeah, so this package was incredible, as we were talking about, and, and we were talking about what Rafi Devers would be getting in a similar situation because they're both uh, in the same status as far as arbitration is concerned. But Matt Olson got traded to Atlanta for Christian Pache, Shea Langoliers, Ryan Cusick, and Joey Estes. So just to go a little bit over this, Christian Pache was the top prospect. That was their guy who's only been um, in the majors for a little bit of time. Um, this is he was considered the 21st. He's a machine. He was considered the 21st best international free agent when he did sign with the Braves back in 2015. And then with Gwinnett and AAA, he had two, he slashed 265, 1144, nine, 11 homers, 44 RBIs, nine stolen bases. And then uh, in 2021, he only hit 111 with a homer, four RBIs, and 63 at bats. That's the premier player of the package. Um, the other three players that came in, Ryan Cusick, who's actually from Sudbury, Mass, was a 24th round pick last year. And then with Augusta Green and Lowy East struck out 34 batters in 16 and a third innings, allowing just five earned runs, which is insane. Joey Estes is another pitcher out of Palmdale, California. He's a 16th rounder uh, from 2019. And then same deal, 2021 Augusta Green Jackets and Lowy East was a teammate with Cusick. Had a 3-6 and six record, a 2.91 ERA with 99 uh, innings pitched. Had 127 strikeouts and a 181 batting average against, which is the ninth best in the minors. Was ranked, uh, was rated the pitcher of the year and then was twice given the pitcher of the week award. The last part of that puzzle, uh, or package I should say, was Shea Langoliers, who's a catcher. He was the first round draft pick and ninth overall back in 2019 for Atlanta. And in 2021, with double A, slashed uh, 258, 338, 498, with 22 homers and 52 RBIs in 92 games played. Following the end at double A, he went up to play the last series for triple A with, the sp- uh, with Gwinnett and then was also named as Atlanta's minor league player of the year. If you want to talk about a haul, that's insane. You have a premier outfielder. You have a catcher who can crush it. And then two really, really good pitchers in the future. What they're getting back is Matt Olson, who last year in ARB2 made 20, uh, sorry, he made 5 million in 2021. He's a free agent two years after uh, 2023 is over. He was the 47th overall draft pick in 2012. Slash 271 with 39 bombs, 111 RBIs, and 156 games. He had 88 walks to, to boot. So he's going to get on base and whatnot. But that haul was insane. Incredible. Well, I think it says two things about Matt Olson. One, I think it says that the Braves think that Matt Olson at this point in his career is a better player than Freddie Freeman will be over the course of a long-term deal. So, yes, this was a business decision for the long term. It also says to the Braves fans, hey, our, our window's not closed. I know we just let the best player our franchise has seen since probably John Smoltz walk out the door with nothing, but 
we are ready to go back out there and try to win again because Matt Olson is a beast. For those who don't know, don't watch a lot of West Coast baseball, Matt Olson is the closest thing on the trade block to Rafael Devers in terms of numbers as well. He could very well be in the MVP conversation in that division this year. He's an absolute stud. So this is a monster deal. What they're getting back is a haul. And I know that you mentioned, Charlie, uh, Christian Pache didn't have the greatest end of, of 2021 with that 111 batting average or whatever it was. For anyone who hasn't seen him play, he's a monster. I mean, he is going to be an absolute stud in this league for a long time. Think, um, oh, this is a tough comparison to make to anybody. But think about, like, the athleticism of Mookie Betts with just a little bit less offense. He's not going to hit 30 home runs the way Mookie did. But he is going to play defense the way Mookie did. He's got an arm like Mookie. uh, And he's probably going to hit 270 in the big leagues with 25 home runs every year that he's a Major League Baseball player. If if it were me, I just pay the money for Freddie Freeman and keep the prospects. Why why mortgage your future for two years of Matt Olson when you don't even know if you're going to be able to re-sign him? It was just an insanely stupid deal. I've been under the assumption Freeman was probably going to get a six-year deal, so that makes me suspect it. It's probably in the neighborhood of eight, which would take him through his age forty season. If it's a mega deal, it could be 10, but I, I couldn't fathom giving up a, I think he wants seven and 21. That's my guess is what he's going to end up signing for seven and two ten rather $30 million a year. That's what he wants. So he's if get... not eight. Go ahead, Charlie. So I, I actually think that the trade worked out uh, pretty well. Uh, all things considered, he's leaving Oakland to go play at home. This kid is from Atlanta. So he gets to play back at home now. So a lot of people, I think we're we're forgetting that there is something kind of fun about that whole playing at home bit. Because if you have the opportunity to go play in front of your family, your friends, um, and where you grew up, why not? I think Matt Olson will end up signing long term. It's probably going to take a year before a deal gets done. Because if he doesn't have the same um, like amazing year this year that he had last year, um, then maybe they, they might be able to get it for a little bit less, but he's 27 years old. He's going to be able to sign. If he signs a small deal, he's still going to want a big deal at the end. The issue is by the time he's arbitration eligible and and a free agent, like no longer arbitration eligible and becomes a free agent, he's going to be 29. So at that point, you're signing one final big deal, probably for six, 160, six, 170, something like that. What's up? Yeah. I mean, I think for Atlanta, it makes sense because their title window is probably the next three years, right? I mean, they've brought in a lot of guys. Ian Anderson's still cheap. Uh, They're hoping that they can get their ace back after two years of being basically a non-factor with Achilles injuries. Their offense is young and cheap, uh, and they basically have a payroll that can afford one guy. Uh, And they're basically saying with this deal – our window is now, and in three years, if our window's over, we can move on and let him walk or trade him 
for prospects that we would not be able to do with an aging Freddie Freeman. They didn't want the Freddie Freeman agreement to be A-Rod at the end of his Yankees tenure or for a less recent example, Mark Teixeira at the end of his Yankees tenure. Mark Teixeira with the Rangers was an absolute beast. Came to the Yankees, had two good seasons, and then the rest of that deal was a wait. Atlanta didn't want to do that, and so they move on from Freddie Freeman. The A's get to do what they always do, which is kick the can down the road to hopefully put together a cheap roster in four years that will compete. We know they're always going to be scrappy. So it's kind of a win-win in both situations, but the big winner here, I think, is actually going to be Freddie Freeman because now he can walk away and demand a massive sum of money from either the New York Yankees or the Los Angeles Dodgers and have no regrets about moving away from Atlanta. The only way this makes sense for the Braves is if they do, in fact, give Matt Olson a, Win a, one more. a massive extension. And I think they need to do it fast. I think if they wait a year, they lose a ton of leverage and they could be in the same boat all over again. And then what are they going to do in two years? Give up a massive haul for another short-term player? They need to they need to get this extension now. And I think they have a lot of leverage right now because, like Charlie says, this is his hometown team. So they might be able to tug on the heartstrings a little bit to try to get him to sign long-term. And just off the top of my head, I mean, you could go seven years, 20 million. So that would be 140 for Matt Olson. I don't think that gets it done. I think they ought to fire the bullet. I don't think that gets it done. I don't know who his agent is, but I don't think that gets it done. He's too good. And he knows it. He was just, he was just traded for four top 20 prospects in the system, including one, two, and six. If anything, that reaffirms his own indication of what he's worth in major league baseball. And he's going to hold out for the bag. I think they still have to in Atlanta is now three years. I think everybody was shocked when Acuna took the deal he took. So I would still I would still try it with Olsen. But if he ends up walking or they end up paying over 200 which could happen in a couple of years, I think they fleeced themselves. And they were just better off keeping those very talented players and having Freddie Freeman be their first baseman and probably a DH on the back half of that. Unless they win another title. I mean, there's a decent chance in the next three years that Atlanta's going to get better. They could. Not because of guys coming up, but because guys are coming into their own. Acuna's going to be healthy. Ian Anderson's going to get better. They're going to bring back Soroka. Hopefully he's healthy. He's going to get better. And they have money for the next three years because they didn't pay Freddie Freeman to go out and get a premier guy. Probably in the pitching staff to build that team one more time. They basically emptied the bank last year, Terry, when they went out and they traded for Jock Peterson. Uh, they traded for another outfielder as well. Solaire. Was it Solaire? Yeah. Solaire. They went and traded for Solaire. They basically told Major League Baseball, like, we're going in. We're going to win. And this is after they lost Acuna for the season. This is a team that wants to win and show the fans in Atlanta that they are the premier team in that city. And there's a chance for them to really seize it. The Falcons are terrible. The Hawks are not good. Baseball in Atlanta can really drive home the point for the next 20 years, generation of a generation of fans. 
we are the team in Atlanta. And I think that's what they're going for. They're going to be all in for the next at least two seasons. It's looking like... There are no more prospects left in Atlanta. Soroka's not going to be ready, at least in the first half, and there there's a slight possibility he might Probably not, not till August. Or at all is where I was going. So it's uh, it's far from certain as to what his status will be. But And Acuna won't be back until May at the earliest as well. So they're going to be definitely missing a couple of guys, but that's a deep roster. They've got a good manager. They've been consistent, you know, with uh, winning the division and, and, and all that. So hopefully, uh, Terry, I think the one thing you didn't mention, what's that is that they're resilient too. I mean, they lost their best pitcher. They lost the, their second best hitter in Ronald Acuna jr. And they were better after those losses than before those losses. It took a little while, and they, they definitely had all the momentum uh, as they got into October, but they did have the benefit of having the New York Mets in their division because all you got to do is sit back and watch. The implosion's going to happen, and uh, surely it did. I, I bet they don't even make the playoffs this year with DeGrom and Scherzer. De, DeGrom had elbow inflammation last year, so you know what does that tell you? Is he even going to make it out of spring training is, is a big question for me. That is a question. He also said he's going to opt out after this season. I respect that. For a contract. I respect that. I respect the hell out of that. But he, but uh, if you're going to opt out and pitch for a contract, what's the one thing we've seen with players in Major League Baseball? They up it just a little bit. We saw it with Matt Barnes, right? The first half of last year was absolute nails right up until you gave him a contract. <laughs> and they I, always they are. Took away the sticky stuff too, but. I think I the reason why I respect it is not so much that he is going to opt out. It's that he's being transparent and he's saying, this is my intentions and this is what I plan on doing. So um, I, I totally respect that. Uh, and another thing of note here, Red Sox haven't made any moves. I think, I think the Freddie Freeman deal and and possibly the Seiya Suzuki deal is holding up what the Red Sox are doing not so much for Freeman but it still will affect the market as far as how teams planning on spending and which pieces they plan to pursue so when we're looking for that right-handed bat whether it's a corner outfielder or perhaps a second baseman because let's face it Christian Arroyo um hopefully these guys come off the board that way we get that last piece we need and, and have enough time to get whoever that player is into games. And, and we're ready for the season on April 7th, which is like right around the corner. Tomorrow's the 15th. So what's that? 22 more days until spring training or spring training games start tomorrow. They do. Yeah. Who knows what they will be. Is that still the Boston college game? I don't know if they're still doing that. Uh, I believe it's Boston College and Northeastern. Oh, they are. Okay. So they're going to continue with that. Uh, another th- uh, news of note will probably uh, this will be the last topic for the show. Fernando Tatis Jr. fractured his wrist, is out for at least three months, may have surgery. The team wasn't allowed to communicate with him because during the lockout, you're not allowed to talk to your players. So they were kind of blindsided by it. Uh, as he showed up and reported to camp. This guy's just a mess. 
he is just a mess and there's always issues with him when it comes to health and apparently now bad decision making. And when they asked him how he broke it in the motorcycle accident, his his response was, well, which accident? So he's been in multiple accidents. Now, I only read the text. I didn't see the video, so I don't know what the context of those comments were. But this is a guy that seems to be a huge liability in terms of serving out that massive contract. How many years did he get? It was at least 12, and it might have even been 14 13. or 13. Okay. 13 years. I thought it could have even been as And he was the face of baseball. I mean, they dubbed him the face of baseball. They were like, this is the guy that we're going to rest the hopes of Major League Baseball on to revitalize the game with the young fans. And now this. I, I actually agree with you, Terry, that this 14 years, according to, to Charlie. Okay. 14. I agree with you, Terry, that this this situation with, with uh, Tatis is, is poor. I also think that they're going to get Suzuki this week as kind of their bounce back move from uh, from Tatis being hurt to fill that void in the lineup, and then all the dominoes will fall for the Red Sox. Everybody seems to be in on Suzuki, so everybody's waiting to see where he goes before they fill holes in their roster. They're still pretty stacked. I mean, they still have Cronenworth, Machado. Will Myers has been fairly productive. They always hope they can get a decent year out of Eric Hosmer, but there's there's guys on that roster that can that can give them, you know, a decent chance to win. They have Bob Melvin now. So maybe from a leadership perspective, excuse me, um, you know, they'll, they'll perform better that way. I think they have a new pitching coach as well. They fired Larry Rothschild uh, late last season. So perhaps this year they, they might have uh, more of their ducks in a row, regardless of um, three months without Tatis. But Charlie, what are your thoughts? You're on mute, bud. And he's on mute. Look at that. There we go. Uh, just a childish decision. This is someone who's 23, right? 22, 23 years old. He's making the mistakes that kids make. And I think part of it is the fact that there's no there's no tenured leadership guiding this kid. You know, like the New England Patriots, I'm going to use this. Right. Someone with leadership and, you know, <laughs> brains, though. So the New England Patriots, when they had a wide receiver, when Josh Gordon came there, they ended up having like a, like a, a guide, like a, a, a guide with him, not like an adult to just follow him around, make sure it was just someone to like, to guide and making sure that he was still like making like smart decisions and whatnot. And, and Josh Gordon didn't make any mistakes when he was a New England Patriot. Like he was a star. He was a model person, player and outside. And now You've got somebody who signs a fort last year signed a 14 year, $340 million deal. It was at the time the third most lucrative deal. And I think the longest, I, no, it was 14 is the most. So it's the longest contract with the third, like third most lucrative contract ever. And you have somebody who in his early 20s, not his fault, couldn't get a hold of his, his medical, his medical team, but. It wouldn't have mattered if the team was able to contract or, or contact, excuse me, contact medical professionals or not. This is a dumb mistake. This is something that could have been avoided. But unfortunately, 
no baseball, no rules, and it's open season for all players to do whatever they want. This is a kid acting like a kid, and I think you need to treat it as such. Um, does does uh, San Diego have anything written in the contract that says if he gets, you know, the you know the reason why um, they got a rod like an Aaron Boone? clause in the contract where like if you get injured by doing something stupid your contract gets nullified and and here's the thing they don't right exactly they don't fernando tatis is only making five million this year thank god he's only making five million and not one of the 29 through 2036 year deals because by the end of 2030 by the end of 2028 he'll be making 36 annually for seven years he will be making, excuse me, eight years of that contract. He'll be making $36 million a year. So if you're San Diego right now, you're like, okay, we need to get this guy in with somebody, which is why I really wanted Nelson Cruz to go to San Diego. Because I think if Nelson Cruz went to San Diego, none of these little, you know, we call them blah, blah games. We have a different term for it. But uh, none of these games would happen. I mean, you'd have someone who has a lot of experience, a lot of of tenure in the league, someone with maturity in the league who's not going to be making dumb mistakes, who's going to be guiding Fernando Tatis Jr. in the right direction. Instead, you have clowns like Manny Machado there trying to pretend like he's the leader. He's not. He's not a leader. He'll never be the leader of that team. And that's that's just a statement of fact. There's just – could this have been avoided? Sure. If this was – Fernando Tatis at age 26, 27, I would be incredibly upset. But as he's only 22, 23, this is a dumb mistake. He's young. His body will heal. I do feel bad a little bit for him because the pressure is going to be on him to really, really perform after that wrist injury. And wrist injuries do take some time to heal. If he doesn't, if he doesn't wait the, the specific amount of time that it's going to take to heal, you're looking at a prolonged injury and and time away from the game it won't be three months it could be six it could be this season if he's not smart with it so forget about him being um you know taking chances and taking risks because this is a a very big life experience moment he will learn from this i'm getting off my soapbox now go ahead joe i just want to say one more thing about this because i think you're right charlie if there was some veteran leadership there probably not something he does right like oh let me go ride motorcycles even though i've already had clearly more than one accident on a motorcycle that's not to say there's no veteran that can talk to him i mean his dad played in major league baseball he's got plenty of friends who are much older than him in major league baseball that are quote-unquote father figures i think he used when he was on with with carabas and ortiz he grew up around the game he knows what it's like to be a professional ball player there's no excuse for this. There is going to be extreme pressure in San Diego to have this kid play because of the contract that he signed and where they are and the fact that the Dodgers are probably going to go get another bat. And I'm going to assume it's going to be Freddie Freeman. That's not set in stone yet. Obviously, when it is, we'll have another show. There is pressure to compete in that division. They are set to win now and win for the future. And yet, their number one guy that they just spent, what did you say, 300 and something million dollars on, Charlie, over the next 14 seasons, has a chronic shoulder issue where his shoulder pops out of his socket because he swings too hard. 
and now has a wrist injury. Wrist injuries on right-handed hitters, it's tough to get to the baseball, man. It's like you're always hitting in the cold. Doesn't really warm up, doesn't feel good. I think it's in the best interest of this Padres organization to sit him until August at the earliest. Even if they the doctors say June, I wouldn't have him playing a single game until you need him. And if you're not in it to win it, come October, and it doesn't look like you have a shot because you're 10 games behind the Dodgers, sit him down. Shut him down. It's a 13-year deal now, kid. We need you to be ready to go next spring training. No more time for games. We're going to make a run at the division. I think there's a decent chance he doesn't play too many games, maybe 40 or 50 games for the Padres this season. One of the things that makes wrist issues one of the more complicated injuries to recover from is because there's usually a confidence problem uh, early on with the players as they're coming back because they're like, is it healthy? Is it? Can I Can I really swing like I used to without damaging it even more? So that ends up being a problem. Charlie makes a good point about the leadership and stuff. And, you know, had Nelson Cruz ended up in San Diego because they were hot on on Cruz. But there was one incident last year in September where Manny Machado got right in the face of Fernando Tatis and he was heard screaming at him. It's not about you. It's not about you. You go out there and play baseball. So Tatis has had his issues. He's had his run-ins with players and, and injuries, not playing smart. I'm glad, I'm glad the Red Sox, uh, I'm glad we don't have a contract like that. Uh, is all I got to say. And I'm just wondering now, will perhaps the White Sox get the last laugh? Because they got fleeced in that deal. They gave him away for James Shields when they realistically didn't have a great chance to make the playoffs and gave up Fernando Tatis. But maybe they knew something. Maybe there were character issues as he was coming up through the, the rookie leagues and, and whatnot that, Perhaps someday he could be a problem. And maybe those are what San Diego's finding out right now. So I guess on It's a possibility. Yeah. You it's can't really rate doubt it, but it's possible. Sorry to cut you off. I was gonna say, um, yeah, I mean you can't rate that on a scale of one to ten. You can't write that on a card and say, Oh, yep, this pick, by the way, is like a two out of ten with character flaws likes to make jokes and mistakes you can't write that that's not that's not a measurable statistic it's just something that you have to experience for yourself and maybe the white Sox did have that maybe they didn't and they're 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 laughing now but i mean having a contract like that pay out where it works swimmingly for you every single year not gonna happen i mean if san diego right now is looking at this they're like thank god this happened in the five million dollar year and not the 36 million dollar year because if you lose someone for two months you're losing a third of, of the season. You just you just literally flushed twelve million down the drain right there of, of money that could have been who knows, invested somewhere else. So it's it's still early to tell if this type of mistake happens more than once, if this happens again, because everyone everyone gets one. You get one. This is your learning experience. You made that mistake as a kid, you don't get another one because the second time that happens, then it then it becomes a trend. This becomes a recurring issue. 
if you do it once, everyone makes a mistake. We've all made mistakes. If this again becomes a, if, if it's a pattern, then it's a problem. Nobody on this podcast is a fan of Manny Machado, but I'll say this. He shows up, he's a gamer, he gives it his all, and he wants to win. So I I give Machado that. And that contract is working out okay. It was a straight 10-year, $300 million deal, so 30 per year for the life of the contract. It's working out okay. So Tatis needs to get his act together. He's got a guy like Machado who will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And there's also the legacy of a guy named Tony Gwynn who made that city famous and was named Mr. Padre. So I think Tatis really needs to get his act together and be the player and and potential Hall of Famer they expect him to be. An injury is an injury at the end of the day, but uh, I agree. I think he needs to play good baseball. He needs to be smart off the diamond. And if he doesn't turn into a leader, over the next three or four years, then they're going to be in trouble because he's going to be another one of these superstars who thinks he's bigger than the game, and we all know how that plays out. Doesn't end well. Absolutely not. And motorcycles are nothing to mess with. I mean, five years ago, we lost uh, an, a superstar in a boat boating accident because he made some terrible decisions. So... So, like I said, hopefully he gets his act together. We will wrap on that note. We're right at the one-hour mark. We'll be back. Maybe take a break tomorrow, barring anything uh, Red Sox-related. But baseball's back. Our baseball brains are, are, are working again, and we're back. I forgot until a few hours ago that Corey Kluber signed with the race. <laughs> That's how, like, I'm not all there yet. But, yeah, he's with Tampa now, so... Anyway, we'll be back with you uh, within the next few days. So everyone, uh, hope your week started off good and we hope to be back real soon. Take care.